guys to another episode with the Chocolate MDs. I am Dr. Chris, and I'm joined by my lovely, gorgeous, beautiful co-host, <laughs> Amy Jo MD. Hey, guys. The sunshine. Greetings. And last but not least, Dr. No-No. Hey. So... <laughs> As always, I want to say thank you guys for all the love and support that you always give us. We definitely appreciate it and we love it. And we also love your questions. You guys have great questions, thoughtful questions. You make us think, and we love that. That's great. Thank you again. <laughs> and we appreciate all the love and the support. And please keep giving us that love and support because this is what we love to do. Yes. I know. 2021 so, is like for real. I know. Guess what, guys? Guess what? Yeah. What? We got a new president. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is Dr. Chris going to say? I'm like, what is Dr. Chris going to say? I have no idea. We didn't didn't have a new president um, the last time we uh, aired. Yeah. It's been a a minute. Here's to a new administration. Listen. We always have like a new like world event that happens in between uh, recordings. So, I mean, this is (laughs) nothing new. So, yeah. And Michelle Obama slayed. Did, did anyone expect anything Still less than Michelle out. Obama to slay? Oh my God, I knew that. And, she, and, and and she and you and you know and she brought a date. You know that guy. He he was there too. But you know, date <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is fine and all. But Michelle be killing it. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. But you know what? <laughs> Joe Biden. She actually looked really nice too. I mean, yo, she did look nice. The sparkles. I love the sparkles. I was like, go ahead, girl. Mm-hmm. I, I I I listen. Uh, I feel like everybody had, they had the whole like monochromic thing going on between yeah. like, you know, between Kamala, um, Jill, Michelle, and I think Hillary too. But I'm like, yo, the way that like Michelle Obama and Jill Biden, oh, excuse me, uh, Dr. Joe Biden, you know, you got to put yes. that doctor on it. And Not trust right. me, I I understand how that feels. Put yes. that doctor on that name. Put <laughs> some respect on, on my name. Yeah, but I, I was looking at her, I was looking at her whole outfit and her coat, especially when it started snowing, it was like sparkling. I was like, does she have on a sparkling blue coat with these gorgeous. gloves? I'm like, it's gorgeous. so pretty. I was yeah. like, kudos to the designers. I'm like, listen, but Jill always looks good though. She, she does. does. Mm. Oh, like, we don't talk about Jill enough, but um, Dr. Biden has always been fashionable and beautiful. Like she's always, she's always looked great. So, you know. But Michelle though, like, I was like, can I get that outfit? Like <laughs> literally, like everything on TikTok, like as soon as she walked out of that, that limo or the Escalade or whatever she came in, like all of TikTok was just like, oh my God, like this outfit, who is her designer? Where can I get this? Can I get a dupe? Like, like, how can I get this fashion in my closet? It was and beautiful. for good reason. It was beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. But her, her coat was tailored to her and her mm-hmm. hair. She had a little flush blowout. I was like, oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> and I was so mad I had to go to work, guys. I was like, I, I should have planned ahead and seen you know, the day you know what's, you, you, and me, you and me both, Dr. Chris. I was I was at work all day. I, I missed it. I figured out how to, to stream it on YouTube. And so it did replay. I don't know what I was on, but I did it through through YouTube, and I was getting the the I guess the people who do the White House tours. Yeah, I did the channel. It was awesome. It was awesome yeah. because it wasn't like politically like motivated. Yeah. Like they were literally walking through like all the history. It was actually really cool. And it ran a couple times over. So I saved it. And I was like, this is good information. So they were doing like the historical aspect, like, oh, when the buildings got redone, this happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved listening to them. Like, it was awesome. And so 
that kind of ran on cycle over and over again. So I got to catch it throughout the workday, but I missed all of the the fanfare. Yeah. Um, real yeah, time. that's exactly what I did. I definitely was at work and I went on YouTube and I put it on in the background. So in between seeing patients, I was watching it and people tried to talk to me and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean the patients? But no. people, do you mean the patients? <laughs> no, not the patients. You know, like the nurse or you know. Oh, got you. People yeah, popping in your in office between. when they don't need to be. Got you. Got right. You. No, I was going to say at my job, Wednesday is my normal off day because I get one day off um, in the middle of the week, which we use for like an admin day. So Wednesday is like my normal off day. And I feel like something big always happens on a Wednesday, mainly because most elections are on Tuesday, results are on Wednesday. And then all the big, all these big things happen on Wednesdays, apparently. I didn't know that. So I had the whole day off. So I was like, oh, let me kick back. You know, let me get my coffee. Because, you know, on West Coast time, it was it was kind of early. So I'm like, let me kick back. Let me get my coffee. Let me take a look. And I watched the whole thing from beginning to end. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. And like Amy Jo said, they were giving like the history and like going back and telling you the history of like, you know, the traditions and all the different stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty dope. I've never actually watched a full inauguration except for Obama's. I was actually there in D.C. at Obama's. And it was so cold. It was <laughs> Which so one cold. I was at the first one. I was at yeah, the first I, one. I was at, yeah, yeah in 2008. So I was at Howard. Yeah, so of course we went, true. me and my cousin and like my auntie. And I was like, yo, it is so cold outside. I was like, for the love of the of the ancestors, I am out here. But <laughs> whoo wee. It was like, oh, yay. That's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. the one thing I remember about that inauguration. It was dumb cold. Yeah, and I but, was uh, but, but why would we why would we expect anything else? It's January, February. Why 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 would it be anything else <laughs> in DC? This is height winter. <laughs> right. But, but it was nice. Was and you know, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's a memory I'm gonna stick with me forever, but it, it was cold. It really was. And then when it started snowing, I was like, oh yeah, that's that. Yep. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, so um, I don't have the proper um, attire because I was like, I should have dressed like I was going skiing and not like it was just a regular winter. <laughs> it was that bad. I mean, DC oh, was like really cold in the south. Really? Oh, My mother cold. went, and I remember her saying how cold it was. It was very cold um, during Obama's inauguration. Like, it was blisteringly cold. Yes. Oh, wow. All and right. then I had Tim's on because, you know, I'm from New York. Of course. So I wear Tim's. Of course. And that, that's not <laughs> but, a good thing. But you know what it cold. is? It's also because you're not moving in the cold. You're standing there. So since you're standing still, you're not like moving. You're you're not getting like your body warmth up. You're just like, you're just watching and just waiting. And I'm like, yo, the wind is like slashing through us. I'm like, I, this is a lot. For me, the Floridian, it was a lot. I was like, whoo wee. That's why when I saw Bernie... And his and his cold. Yo, and those that's what I'm saying. I, like, I, feel I, you, feel like, I was like, I feel you. I, <laughs> I, I love the yeah. out here. I love the memes of him just saying like this wasn't his only thing to do today. It was like on his to do list today just to go to like one of the most important inaugurations in our nation's history. And the man just showed up with like his little clipboard, sat, you know, watched the whole thing, gave his little congrats and went off and kept doing what Bernie does, you know. So yes, the finest senior citizen fashion there is. And he was good to go. He was, he was warm and he did what he was supposed to do. But you know what? I, I respect that. You know why? And it wasn't until I lived up north when I was in D.C. for college. I'm like, it is hard to find clothing 
that is warm and fashionable and like all you trying to you trying to check all these boxes right <laughs> unless you have like a, a a you know a designer who's going to be like oh this is the state of the art warmth and it has like the wool on the inside like unless you have someone designing something for you like either is warm or is cute and to get the two together is hard right so that i'm like yo i feel bernie like he looks warm he has his mittens you do you bro like <laughs> i listen yeah, listen listen <laughs> i always say when it's cold it's not about trying to be cute you're trying to be warm okay <laughs> uh, you in the cold you're gonna get sick something gonna happen mm-mm no, so being being from the Midwest, I mean, you do find those those you know places where you can find <laughs> yes, yes, Dr. Chris. Being the Chris is shaking her head. Hard. Oh, that you are, you can find those fashionable you know outfits that you can like still look cute and you know still you know be warm and you know you know do what you need to do in them. Let me tell you something. I'm in North Carolina. <laughs> if it's thirty degrees, my big winter coat comes on. I don't care. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't care. And they look at me like, aren't you from New York? What's your point? <laughs> y'all can, y'all can get a hurricane and a blizzard like all in the same day. Like, how are y'all not prepared for that up in New York? I am exact opposite. Like, I refuse to break out my winter coat. I'm like, I did not move down to the south to be cold. So it's freezing sometimes, and I still have on my little, like, my little jacket. Like, it's fine. I can just, if I, I just need to get to the car so I can turn the heat on. And I'll just warm up. Like, it's fine. I have not, I have not worn my winter coat since I've been here. And there have definitely been times where I probably should have, you know, taken it out <laughs> to put it on. But I'm not doing it. It's just on principle. Like, I live in the south now. I, I don't, I'm going to ignore winter. You're going to be sure? cold on that principle, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't miss your hometown where right now it's like negative 15 degrees. Listen, when I saw the negative 15, okay, so <laughs> this these past couple weeks, all the pictures of the polar vortex have been popping up in my, in my, in like on <laughs> online or in like my Google photos. And let me tell you something. Oh, like memories? I, yes. Like your memories? <laughs> and, this, and it's like this, right. This week, two years ago, this is what you're doing. They're all sad faces. Like <laughs> I am, I'm miserable. Every single picture. Like I'm either miserable by myself. I got one with me and Dr. Sunshine in the back of this 50, $50 Uber to go two miles. And I'm like, look so pissed off. Like, you know, Dr. Sunshine looks defeated over there. And I'm like, all these pictures look so depressing. And so when I heard an- a- again, negative 15, I was like, yeah, I'll never come back. <laughs> you know why? It's because when you start to have some options, it's like, okay, cool. So why am I choosing to be cold? Because now I'm choosing to be cold. Before right. I was like, all right, I'm cold. I don't got no control over it. It just is what right. it is. But now right. it's like, wait, I have a choice. And I made a conscious effort to be cold. Why did I right. do that? Right. Not doing mm-hmm. that anymore. Not not doing that. Aside from the inauguration, I'm sure there's been other things in the news. I don't know who has the news. Actually, I should know. I should have it up on my computer, but I've restarted my computer and lost my tabs. So someone got these these, these things in the news. I do. So I mean, I had a couple. Oh of things. gosh, whenever whenever no no whenever no no has topics, they be out here. Right, you be like, <laughs> how does that match? She'd be like, well. It said medicine <laughs> in the third paragraph, so it counts. <laughs> Y'all like, did not give me much to go on last time, so I I tried to make it more medically related this time. But um, I do want to like you know for since we're in Black History Month, I did want to kind of like give some homage to like the people that came before us. So I want to drop a little you know factoids here and there. 
um, about like famous mm. people in medicine and nursing that kind of came before us and, you know, paved that way for us to be essentially where we are today. That's dope. Yes. That's are you, great. are you, is, is, did you coincide that with what you're wearing today? Is this all coinciding together? Girl, no. I know, because you got your daishiki on and everything. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could say that, but this is like my only clean shirt right now, so I need to do laundry tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Um, nah, you should have told us, yes, Black Dushi Moved, I coordinated you, this. You, you could have like, lied. Nah. It would have been you better. Could, but you, viewers, lied. you just lied. No, no. The it's viewers want right. unfiltered and uncut. This is this is me all the way. <laughs> I have no more clean laundry. This is my only my only clean shirt is the shiki, and that is what I'm wearing for our recording today. So, all right, my goodness. All right, no judgment. All right. right. So, so the first person I have on my list is Dr. Daniel Williams. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard this name before, but he was actually one of the first physicians, the the only first uh, physician, to perform a successful open heart surgery. And he actually founded the first interracial and Black-owned hospital here in Chicago. Um, So if you guys ever been to the South Side, uh, Dr. Amy Joe would know this, uh, Provident Hospital, which is part of the hospitals that we trained at um, being at County, that was actually the first Black-owned hospital in Chicago where we were able to train, you know, regardless of race or, or color. Yay. I feel like that's dope. Shout out to I'm Brian. loving this. Yay. I'm so yeah. happy you're doing this. No, no, yeah. This is I love it. So also, you know, he was all the one of the he was a cardiologist, so you know, a heart doctor. He was also the first physician to be able to perform a successful open heart surgery. And also he eventually relocated to DC. And all the Howard alums know this, but he was the uh, chief surgeon at Friedman's Hospital in Washington, DC, which is now Howard University Hospital. H-U-H. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm not alumni. My parents are, but Listen, I'm not. It's going through your veins, girl. Cool. All right, sorry. cool. I got Howard, I got Howard bison blood in my veins. <laughs> I'll accept it. I'll accept it. <laughs> All right. And then also another factoid is that he also earned his medical degree from Chicago Medical College, which is now Rosalind Franklin up on the north side. So... A little, oh, little look at that! Yeah, nice. I like that. Like a little history lesson. All right, I got, I got. Listen, we got to we got to we got to we got to highlight it. We got to give people their shine. You know what I mean? Because no, no one else is going to do it. So inform the people. I like this. No, no. Go ahead. Thank you. I mean, especially like uh, so. National Women's uh, Physicians Day was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, and what we're really kind of set out for me was that you know, black women physicians only make up two percent of all the physicians in the United States as of currently. So, you know, what y'all are listening to on this podcast right now, like we are unicorns, <laughs> but, you know, in the general scheme of things, like black doctors are not that common. So, you know, it's, you know, I kind of like wanted to take the time to highlight our achievements and know that we are out there. Um, we may be hard to find, but, you know, we are out there and we are here for you. So that's, you know, part of the reason why. We out here. Please find us. We sure. Um, Next one I wanted to highlight is Dr. Alexa Kennedy. Uh, So she is the first black female uh, neurosurgeon um, that was ever uh, boarded in that specialty. Um, She's very special to me because she is a Lansing alum and I am also from Lansing, Michigan. So uh, Michigan, uh, Michigander at heart for sure. Uh, she graduated. Is that what y'all call yourselves? Yes. Michiganders? Is that Michiganders? Michiganders? 
Yes. Why miss huh. I don't, girl, I don't know. That's what we're called. That shit. It's like Michigan and you gender? No, it's like a term, like a New Yorker. We're Michiganders. That's Michigander. All right. That's that's interesting. Like you're a Chicagoan. Didn't you say something to me before about a youper or something? No, that's so a youper is someone that comes from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me. Let me let me not take the shine away from this black woman right. while I'm trying to can get we, deep down on this Michigan. Can lane. we talk about my dear soror, Dr. Candy? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Can, Sorry. Please, please. Is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So as you like a very notable Delta um, for sure. Uh, she was the uh, first black and female neurosurgeon. She graduated from University of Michigan back in 1975. Uh, 1981, she had earned that distinction of being the first Black female neurosurgeon and also completed her residency. So that's extra training that we do after medical school to become more proficient in whatever specialty we decide to go in. And she received her distinction from uh, University of Minnesota. Um, She uh, served as the chief of neurosurgery in uh, Children's Hospital in Michigan and then went on to retire in uh, Florida. At um, But she actually came out of retirement to continue her work at uh, Pensacola uh, Hospital in Florida. And then eventually retired again and offers her guidance for people that want to pursue her uh, field of medicine. So thank oh, you, Dr. Kennedy. Dope. Right, I know. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Kennedy, for That's paving the way. And, you know, your your work will never be forgotten for sure. Um, yeah, my dad actually. I love it. I was talking with my dad today, and he actually like you know worked with her and met her, and you know she's a very very lovely woman. So, um, yeah. So next one we got on my list is Mary Mahoney, um, who's an RN. So she was the first Black woman to be awarded a nursing degree. Uh, she graduated yeah. from Boston-based New England Hospital for Women and Children's Training. Back in 1879, so it's not recent, <laughs> um, and became one of the first Black members of the American Nursing Association. Um, she was also uh, very important in the women's suffrage uh, movement. So for our ability to vote, she was a very integral part of that. And she was also one of the first women to vote in uh, Boston uh, following the ratification of the 19th Amendment back in August 26th of 1920. So not only being important for nurses uh, that are so integral to our um, profession as medical doctors, but also being able to vote and have an actual voice is what um, Mahoney had for us. So, yeah, I want to give her 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 kudos. Yay. That is amazing. I love it. And you know what? Even like when you think about it, like us in the 21st century, when you think about everything we've had to go through for our medical training, you know, even thinking about trying to do it back then seems like crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when someone wasn't there to like guide you. Now, mind you, we always complain right now, like, oh, you know, some of us have a little more guidance than others. And, you know, you kind of get what you get. But doing it back then, when you're like the first one to ever do it, it's like you're basically just like living on hopes and dreams and prayers. Like, listen, right. this is what I want to do. And let's just pray that it works out. So that's awesome. When there was no GME office, like um, governing, <laughs> you know, sensitivities and, mm-hmm. you know, resident abuse, you know, how they treat yep. you, you know, that, it's hard being a resident anyway. But, you know, I think about, um, you know, 
the doctors that trained, the black doctors that trained in the 1970s, you know, 1960s, you know, even 1980s. And, you know, when there was no, when there were no duty hours, Yep. when essentially they could say whatever they wanted to say and you just needed to, you know, get through it because you needed your training because you needed to complete it so that you can go on and be the kind of doctor you want to be. Like, I got mad, mad respect for black doctors mm-hmm. then because um, even now I was on a I was on a town hall meeting um, with the oncologist that since retired, but he trained in the 70s. And I thought that's crazy that even now to this day, I can remember being a resident and um, in some hospitals, um, our, our residency was like a mini Wakanda. So it kind of doesn't count. Mm-hmm. But when you went to other hospitals, because we also trained outside of our hospital and you saw that black doc, that black attending, like, you know, coming and you were just like, oh, my God, look at that. Or mm-hmm. even in even in even in our residency at Cook County, when you saw like that black attending in that specialty, like, oh, u- urology. Oh, OK. You know, come mm-hmm. through. Oh, good. OK. What, what do you mean? Um. GI wait that's the that's the surgeon that's the neurosurgeon so when you mm-hmm. do see them coming like we are still at this point still looking at black doctors like they're magical because it is rare that we see people who look like us in specialties there's a lot of black doctors in primary care don't get me wrong i love primary care and i and we need primary care but i need to see brown faces in in every discipline right mm-hmm. Up and down, oncology, urology, um, gynecology, cardiology, nephrology. Like we need all the OGs, allogies. We need all the allergies <laughs> that we can get um, because it's important. So, you know, that's crazy that we're still looking in awe when a black dot comes down the hallway because we know like it took you, it took you some hard work to get here. It's not easy. Yeah. No, it I took mean, you hard work. Like, you know, it also because I'm sure doctors of the past and present, even finding someone who wants to train you and who wants to show you and teach you things that can even be hard in and of itself, you know. So when you think about doctors that trained in the 60s and 70s and, you know, especially in these surgical specialties, Mm -hmm. trying to find a doctor that even would be like, oh, yeah, you're allowed in my OR, you know, like it's just right. Yeah. Right. Right. We can put out the OR and we're like, oh my God, my feelings are hurt. I'm going to go report it. But I can't imagine (laughs) what it was like to be, you know, a surgeon to some level in an operating room, knowing that some, somebody, the attendant in there, or even like the chief resident or the senior resident, you're just the low level resident is going to ask you some arbitrary question (laughs) that means absolutely nothing. And you may or may not have the answer, but they're going to put you out if you can't answer it. Like, get, you know, get out of my OR. You're not serious about this. And you need the numbers, right? Like, you need the training. Like, Dr. Sunshine is absolutely right. Our our practice, our license depend on people's willingness to teach, to teach you. Mm-hmm. I have to be taught so I learn how to do it. And then I turn and teach somebody else. But a part of, you know, medical training is, you know, a lot of mentorship, um, it's almost like an apprenticeship, except for it's got tons of board exams surrounded to make it legitimate. But it depends <laughs> on the goodwill of people in front of you that are that are, you know, committed to education. And doctors that trained in the 60s and 70s often talk about sometimes people were not committed to your education and you had to like will it to be. So you yeah. had to go behind the scenes and learn it yourself and be so good at it that when you walk in the room, nobody could ask you a question that left you stumped so that you could stay in the room. And get mm-hmm. what you needed. Like that mm-hmm. is 
I have so yeah. much respect for them. That is like yes. insane. Like I, I, I love all the doctors that came in front of me because I know what it took for them to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like you know. I love I love hearing all the uh you know old school stories, like even like you know, during our time at county, just like kind of you know, catching the ear of some of the old school docs, you know, that worked there and kind of what they went through. You know, it's it's amazing, you know, the you know, the hardships they kind of you know came over to be able to get to where they are today and then even talking to my dad uh, who's also a physician being able to hear like kind of how he progressed in his specialty and all the you know stuff he went through like in his medical school and his training and to you know get to where he is today I'm just like man I wow (laughs) like I don't know like how you did it but you know it's possible you know, it is possible to get right. through it and, you know, you did it and it's, you're a product of, you know, your own ingenuity and your training and your mentorship has really paid off for you. And, you know, this is, this is where we are today and that's, that's what's up. So, yeah. I was going to say, that's also why old school docs be looking at us like, y'all got it. Y- y'all be all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. Like, you okay. Right. You good. Right. But I'm still tired though. They like so <laughs> right. You have the internet. Oh, that's like, <laughs> true. That is so true. No, I would I would love it. I would love it when uh like Dr. Daniels like will ask you a question and she'd be like, well, oh, oh, so Dr. Sunshine and Dr. Chris might not remember this. Dr. Nona will remember this. But mm-hmm. you know, uh me and Dr. Nona were medical students together and trained in our in our in our health system that we ended up becoming residents in. And so uh, you know, uh Dr. Daniels would come in and she'd be like, get ready to ask you a question. And she finished the sentence with, don't you break out that cell phone to answer this question. We'd be like, ah, <laughs> you got me. Like, I need the internet. So, um, like, oh, I just want to double check on the internet. Let me just, let me just double check. Like, no. They'd be like, nah. Uh, you got, it, you right. got your knowledge up here. Let's use it. Right. Like, oh, what's the answer to your brain? Listen, I don't know what's in my brain right now. A little gerbil is running around at this very moment because <laughs> I don't know the answer to your question at this very moment. Um, so I'm just, you know, hoping that somebody walks by to save me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I so appreciate, you know, um, the black doctors that came before us. Um, they train with it. They teach with a different kind of like flair and sensitivity. Um, mm-hmm. Like they were, you know, the, the doctors that we trained with uh, at County, you know, had a, some of them had a really good mixture of both toughness and love where it was kind of one of those things they were like, come on in here and get beat up real quick. And then when they thought you couldn't take it no more, they'd be like, Oh baby, come on in here and get this hug. I'd be like, I'm so confused right now. Like, um, <laughs> confused but i'm gonna get the hug right (laughs) hug me but you know you you hurt my feelings because you told me i didn't know what i was talking about um (laughs) (laughs) that is so true who hurt you amy joe who hurt you (laughs) i I would go i would go to clinic some days i would tell i even told dr sunshine one time i'm like yo I i don't think they like me (laughs) like like, I don't know like I'll be studying I I don't know and then the next day they you know nice to you like what is happening (laughs) what's going on or then if your hair is not done they'll be like "Mm, baby you should 
<laughs> right. They were listen, they were fixing everything. Like it was all big picture. Like you we're gonna give you lessons in, you know, branding, knowledge, you know, conflict management, you know, patient care, like when to say no, we're gonna teach you some boundaries, we're gonna do some everything. Um which I appreciate now, but when you're a resident and you're tired and you're pulling 90 hours every week, um, can somebody just tell me the answer? Cause right. I'm so tired right now. I don't know. I don't want to look it up, but yeah. Uh, shout out to, you know, mm-hmm. we still love y'all mad respect. All right. So my next topic, if you guys have seen the notes or have seen the news. So if y'all know somebody named little Uzi, um, so apparently, oh, of course, he, little Uzi Vert. Yes, little Uzi Vert. This this new generation of rappers. That I mean, whatever. So this this person apparently got a ten carat diamond implanted in his head, and in his damn caused, forehead. In his damn forehead. Yes, this is explicit, so I can. It's whatever. Um, but the, apparently, this diamond costs twenty four million dollars. And people Lies. have been asking why and how. <laughs> so Lies. First of all, it doesn't cost that because Lil Uzi Vert don't got that. So. No, no, <laughs> I can he let does. You know. He does. He's been saving up for three years just to buy this diamond. I, I, I like look all over the internet. I'm like, how can this man afford a 10 carat diamond? And apparently he's been saving up for it. Only to have it implanted. You telling me Lil Uzi been Lil Uzi been putting these bad raps out here all this time? Actually, you know, let me not say I don't know if Lil Uzi Vert's raps are bad or not because I've never listened. But you're telling me that he saved every coin he has so that one day he could put a a, a diamond in his a diamond in his forehead. I am yes, I, I am. That that is what it's all about. Excuse me, Little Uzi Vert. His his net worth is not even twenty four million. So you can't tell me that the diamond in his head is twenty four million. I thought it was Yo, a, you can't. Um, he if might alone. It might be on loan. He might be making payments on it. Oh, he might be. Either way, the question is, how did he do it, and why? So, so apparently, you can't you no can't idea. embed gems that are like with a small metal post that is implanted into uh, your uh, underneath your skin using like a transdermal or a microdermal implant. However, like the, I think the the limit for that is like eight millimeters is usually the size of what you're trying to implant. Obviously, this diamond is a whole lot bigger than that. So people are like, how? Um, but another way you can do it is like a surface piercing. And then you, it's like an upside down staple and you can attach or oh hang. God. I know it's crazy. You can attach or hang like, you know, jewels or whatever from the other end. And, you know, people are saying that's that's another way that you can that you can do that. Either way, if you are thinking about replicating what Uzi did, please don't. Because if you get hit in the head or knocked, you know, some type of way, you know, you can also cause bending of the post, which can cause infections underneath the skin or just around the implant in general. And if you got knocked out in the head, like, you know, just and someone like eventually, which eventually is probably going to happen. Someone's going to try and yank this diamond out of this man's forehead. Um, that can cause a severe laceration that can tear off like most of the skin from that area. And that can cause a really nasty infection. And that can be bad. So it's crazy. So oh. per my per my medical opinion, I probably would not do this. And, you know, don't. Yeah, just just don't do it. I'm going to need people to stop making decisions while they're high. (laughs) This is a really bad decision. And maybe if you weren't high 
and on something, you might have chosen something else. And if you weren't high and you made this decision, then you might need Jesus, God. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a psychiatrist. You said Jesus. You need you, already, you already, I don't you already think, skipped over the doctor and said, I don't you just even need think to handle it. I don't think, I think you need some divine intervention, something. Else. He looking like they out here calling him a crystal gem. I don't know if y'all watch Steven Universe, but anyway, he got this off of some anime or some cartoon or whatever. But I'm like, no, you need to leave that in that world. Like, you know, like and again, making decisions when you're high <laughs> <laughs> from I, I an agree. anime. But there are other that ways to get attention as a rapper. Just I don't know. But, I mean, he got he got tired of dyeing his hair red and blue and green. His his hair used to be rainbow colored, and he's like, "Oh, I got to come up with something else." And then, boom, gem on the forehead. That's true. Yes, that's true. But, that, mean, that, that, that'll definitely that'll definitely get attention for sure. For sure. I mean, why else have you guys talked about Little Uzi Vert recently? Think about it. When's the last time you guys said this rapper's name, if ever? Not right. I, exactly. I I, exactly. I don't I even know who he really is, honestly. I, Actually, I, the reason why a lot of people know him, he was on Bad and Bougie. Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. oh, was he on that? He was on back. Oh, and he, he goes. Yeah, and they got on. They got on. Uh, they got on takeoff because he wasn't on the track. They subbed out takeoff for Lil Uzi Vert. Oh, he was pretty pissed about that. But... <laughs> I didn't even know that. I mean, don't let me don't let me dive into rap lore. You know, you guys. I'm a I'm a I'm a hip hop fan. So let me like dive that. into rap lore. I like that song. Okay, so he then... starts with the he starts with the yeah 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 yeah. 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 I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the only person I remember from that song is Migos. I didn't even know like Uzi was like he featured on that song at all. So he's on it. All right. Well. I didn't even know. Listen, ultimately he's still not important, and that's still a dumb decision that he made. I agree with Chris. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. So don't dear. don't even replicate it. Don't do it. All right. So the next topic I had is the last one. So. I know Dr. Chris will appreciate this. The, so the All-Star Game has been actually uh, rescheduled for this year in, in Atlanta for March uh, 7th. So granted, we are recording this episode a day before the Super Bowl. So of course, people are <laughs> going to have some thoughts and feelings about having a whole NBA-like tournament, you know, before, you know, during the middle of a pandemic. So... You know, people are LeBron actually was cited with saying like he has zero excitement <laughs> for this game. Uh pretty much like uh echoing the fact that we are in a pandemic. Like, why are you guys doing this right now? Like, why can't we can like why couldn't we postpone this till next year when everything's under control? And honestly, I agree with him. Like, you know, why why are we doing this now? Like, do we really and honestly, wasn't the NBA all star game in Chicago? Wasn't that in the winter? Like Am I am I wrong? So why are we doing? No, me and Dr. Chris were supposed to go. Missed it. I missed it. So why are we doing? I I guess for me, the All Star Game, the All Star Game really is it really is for the fans, right? Like the All Star Game doesn't change, you know. it playoff, you know, positioning, it doesn't count as a, a win loss record. And so we really do the, the, the NBA playoffs for fan appreciation for fanfare. And if the fans can't in mass participate, then what are we doing? Exactly. You know, you know, this is, I mean, literally what are we doing? This isn't a, this isn't an in season game where, you know, we're counting the record. So if the fans can't come, you know, or nobody significant can come, then why are we playing this game? Like, what are we doing? 
Um, I suppose they're trying to get the TV rating so that they collect, you know, some money because it's been a rough year on all industries, even ones that, you know, had good cash flow, but nobody's buying tickets, right? Nobody's buying tickets and, and sitting in the seats, but why are we having a playoff game? I mean, if there's one yep. industry that is not hurting right now during this pandemic, it is the NFL and the NBA. So I am sure they can like postpone this game until once we get things under better control and not do it so soon. Like, come on, like, really? Is, is this yeah, what we're yeah. doing? But even with, the, even with the Super Bowl, I think they were saying that even that um, the arena, they're doing it, with, you know, of course, with less seats. I think it can seat like, I don't know how many, but it's like 25,000 people and they got like c- cardboard cutout people there too. And then apparently, uh, I think this is the weekend that's supposed to do the halftime show. He's not even going to be on the field. He's going to be some, someplace else to do the show. Oh, I am excited. I I do like the weekend, so I want to kind of see how this pans out. But yeah, I am I am saving you guys from yourself because I normally have a very long rant about this, but I am not going to do my rant. <laughs> I I feel very strongly about a lot of this, but I will say that I am not surprised that LeBron spoke out and said something. First of all, LeBron is about his health and longevity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. LeBron is not out here trying to play with y'all. He's like, look, I got a family. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to play at a high level for a long time. I'm not trying to mess with these dudes who just like, oh man, I'm an all-star this year. LeBron's like, nah, been there, done that. I'm not really here for that. Like, right. <laughs> LeBron be going vegan in off season, like slimming yeah, down. Like, LeBron, yeah, LeBron's like, yo, y'all messing, y'all messing with my health and, and this doesn't even go towards my stats. Like, what are we, what are we doing? These ain't like, nah, nah, there's nothing in this for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear him. I look out for self, man. <laughs> I believe it. No, and especially since Kevin Durant, like he had that close encounter with the exposure, like not too long ago. So you know, I mean, this is this virus has not gone away. Like it is still here, and the fact that the NF, the NBA is still like even like entertaining this thought like so early in the year, you know, it's just I mean, it's just ludicrous. Like honestly, so I mean. And on top of that, you know, the plans that people would normally have in terms of All-Star Weekend, All-Star Game, that type of thing, like like Amy Jo MD was saying, it's not going to happen. So people like Dr. Chris, who would be really excited about it, like, oh, shoot, it's All-Star time. Let's go, let go. You know, (laughs) there's nothing to get hype about. Yeah, because I'm not going. I'm not trying to get COVID. Right. Dr. No-No, am I officially um, allowed to transition to the health topic of this episode or do you have more up your sleeve you gave us a lot of good info today though thank I you, really appreciate. you I, I want to try and make up for my uh you know kind of off the cuff <laughs> uh turning topic <laughs> from last time so uh you did great no, no 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 no. but i'm saying i didn't even think about bringing um some black history facts into that that's actually yeah, really good, good. Yeah. No, I, I always, I mean, everything, I, I want to try everything that I do for the month to like, you know, bring it back to kind of where our roots and kind of where we came from. So no, I appreciate it. And I mean, and you know, y'all follow me on social media. So y'all already saw that my patient called me out for not being black enough during Black History Month. He was like, oh, you need to step your game up. Listen, that, that's a whole story for a whole nother day. But I, but he, you know, he was also, you know, Howard Bison, H-U, you know, and he's, uh, he's 10 years older than me. And he basically called me out. He said, my office was lacking swag. He's like, yo, you got to upgrade your office, doc. You got to come harder. I was like, oh, okay. All right, bro. Yeah, you're <laughs> Duly a, noted. I- <laughs> your alumni are tough, man. Ooh. 
Wow. They are, you know, and listen, I'm gonna see him back in three months because we gotta check his lab. So, you know, we're gonna see. <laughs> He's like, when right. I come back in three months, you better upgrade. <laughs> I'm like, how dare you put me on a on a like like I got homework. I'm the right. doctor. <laughs> how you giving me homework? Like but you wanna do homework. it though. Right. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like I right, doc, I'm gonna eat healthy and lose this weight, but you better have that swag when I come back. You know what I mean? Like what? Exactly. <laughs> Labs better be in check, okay? Your labs better be good. How about that? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, your your blood work better look good, sir. Right. Work <laughs> on that. Work on that. Don't worry about me. <laughs> anyway, right. anyway, topic for today is GERD. GERD is also known as acid reflux, also known as heartburn. So GERD is actually an acronym and it stands for um, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So the reason why I want to talk to you guys about GERD is because GERD is something that we see very commonly in the office. And if your GERD gets really bad, some people can present with chest pain and they think that they're having a heart attack. So I frequently see these patients and they think that they are dying, but they're not dying. They just have acid reflux. So we need to talk about this thing and let you guys know what are your risk factors for it? What does it feel like? You know, if you don't know if it's a heart attack, I mean, you did, you, but most of you guys are doing the right thing. You came and saw us, which is, which is good. Or you need to come and see us, you know? So it's definitely worth having a discussion about. So before I get started, does anybody have anything on their hearts and minds they want to throw out here? No? No, I'm just excited for this topic. Cause like you said, it, it's, it's so common. I, I probably talk mm-hmm. about GERD multiple times a day. Every day, mm-hmm. even if it's not their primary like complaint, um, I I mean at least a good fifty percent of the week something about GERD comes up. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. for, as for me, like um, a lot of times when I see those patients, like they've gone, they've already gone to the emergency room because they thought they were having a heart attack. They did a workup, and they were like, "That's not it." And then they come back and follow up with me. And it's just like, yeah, it's probably what was going on. Man, they had thousands of dollar work right. up. <laughs> just for them to right. be like, oh, go home and take, right. go go home, right. go home. And a lot of the times the ER doc's like, uh, we think it's GERD. So here you go. Here's your right. medication and follow up with your PCP. Right. I mean, I feel like an unofficial induction into your 30s is if you don't have that like Tums in by your bedside, you know, or the Tums in the purse. Then you know you're not in your 30s yet, but once you hit that 30, it's it's a done deal. So I've never had GERD. GERD. What? Never. Amy Joe MD said, "Don't be wishing that on her. She's yeah. good." I've oh. never had GERD. <laughs> right, never mind then. I mean, okay. <laughs> but even, Amy yeah. Joe Amy Joe said, "That's not my initiation. I'm fine." Yeah, <laughs> <it's okay. laughs> so from so from there, for those of you who have maybe um are like Amy Jo MD and you've never even had GERD or don't think you have. Um, here are basically the symptoms that you guys would encounter. So you feel like, you know, like this burning in your chest and you're going to feel it like in the center, maybe a little off to the left-hand side. And it's like this gnawing burning that you feel and it's kind of coming up from the top of your stomach, going right up into the center of your chest. That's the most common symptom. If not, people also get like kind of a bitter kind of acid reflux in the back of their throat that's just kind of working its way up and it kind of causes them to have that little... <clears throat> kind of feeling Mm -hmm. going on some people might confuse that with post you know post nasal drip but for the most part it's kind of it's like bitter it's bitter and it's kind of has a little tang to it and it's kind of like what is that what's happening 
Um, you can also get a feeling like something is stuck in your throat if you've had GERD for a long time. And some people have like a chronic raspy dry cough that's just really irritating them because basically the acid that's been in your throat has kind of been wearing away at your esophagus. So now you got this like chronic dry cough going on. You're like, what's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is the acid's been hanging out there for a while. So now you got this cough and every now and then people have a little bit of nausea. And then most commonly people feel these symptoms usually after they eat a really big meal. And afterwards, you'll see people be like, or you see, you hear older people be like, oh, my, my heart burn, my acid reflux. Oh, I had all that <laughs> pasta with red sauce. Oh, I drank all that orange juice or I had all the, what, a, insert acidic thing that they mm-hmm. ate. And it's causing them to get all of these symptoms, you know? So that's typically what it feels like. Now, in terms of the risk factors, as in people who have these things going on and you might be more prone to have GERD, number one, I'm going to do a hard stop here. Mm-hmm. If you are overweight... Or if your doctor tells you you're overweight or obese, you have a higher chance of acid reflux. Hard stop. Say it for (laughs) the people in the back. Yes. The fluffy All the way in the back. The fluffy people. Listen, (laughs) to all my fluffy people out there, um, please listen to what the Dr. Sunshine is saying. It's because it's, you know, it gets into... um, external abdominal pressure essentially right so there's pressure so there's there are natural things that cause you to have heartburn and and i don't want to steal dr sunshine's um thunder or change her direction but when you are packing on the pounds particularly where most people pack them which is in that midsection Mm -hmm. and you 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 know that midsection gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger that pressure gets put back onto the organs inside of your body and it makes anything that you already had a little bit worse. And so it's really important because, you know, we were talking about how often people with heartburn come in and a good 90% of my GERD patients are also morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people lose weight and say, oh, all my symptoms went away. Yep. So, Yeah. Of course they did. That's what happens when everybody loses weight. They're like, oh, man, remember that problem I had with this thing? Oh, it's gone. Oh, yeah. it's gone. Miraculous. It's miraculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny is because we talk, we so we emphasize weight so much in our counseling with patients. And it's kind of like, and I and I mostly have to tell, I mostly tell them like, uh, if you lose weight, most of your problems are going to go away. I mean, it's true. It's that simple, but it's not that simple. But yes. Like, I just look at them like, uh, you just need to really lose this weight. You lose this weight. And um, you know why? It's because they start accumulating these these problems that are all related to each other. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you just kind of went hard real quick, got on a Peloton and, you know, went for a run or started whatever, swimming, whatever you want, all this stuff will probably improve. (laughs) Yeah. Low key. Yeah. But in addition to um, obesity, risk factors that you need to know for acid reflux. Um, also smoking is a big one. If you're a smoker, you definitely got to cut that out. Mm -hmm. Um, stress, stress is a huge one that can cause acid reflux and everybody has been stressed for 2020 into 2021. So the more stressed you are, you're definitely going to have acid reflux and indigestion. It, It affects all of that. Uh, pregnancy is also a risk factor as well. Pregnant women get GERD all the time. 
Um, to the point where it's like old school, older women will tell you, oh, if you got girth, that means your baby's going to have a lot of hair. I don't know if y'all heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have. I for sure but, have. <laughs> they're like, oh, your baby's going to have a full set of hair. And meanwhile, the woman's sitting there like, yeah, but can you, can, how do we fix this girth, though? Like, it feels bad. <laughs> she don't need hair. They don't need hair. <laughs> yes. yeah. Like, I ain't worried about the baby right now. I worry about me. Right. I'm like, no, I, I get that. Help but, me. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, you know, one of, one of the biggest risk factors across the board is just going to be whatever you're putting in your body. So acidic foods, acidic foods are like acidic foods and drinks that goes for coffee, alcohol, chocolate, peppermint, uh, pastas with red sauce, orange juice, any, anything that's acidic that you put down your esophagus is going to increase your chances of having GERD, mm-hmm. period. And this is usually when I have to talk to people about how much alcohol are they drinking. Like you have to really get into Amy Joe MD, of course. You have to get into the food diary. What are you eating? What are you eating? And this this can also help us to solve the problems. What are you eating? (laughs) Dr. Sunshine knows I love a good food diary. My (laughs) patients also know I love a good food diary. I I probably tell almost everybody ends up making a food diary for me. And I do read them. Like they send it back in and I legit read every day and I will go through all their food choices and just try to figure out if we can find triggers. So um, the ones who do it are like, yes, really walk through it. Like we look at everything in my clinic and we'll look through it. Um, I got a lady right now. I keep on trying to like spread her appointments out. Like she's doing so much better. So I'm trying to put her on. I'm trying to put her on three month appointments. Okay. She's so stable. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. Like I want my month appointment because I need to talk about my food journey. I'm like, we're we're done here, right? Like it's like therapy, right? <laughs> you can now move on. She is not having it. Like, let me fix you. You're fixed. <laughs> yeah, right. Go go forth, young grasshopper. She is like, nope, I'm staying right here. So yeah, food journals. But the food, are, are the my food love. diary is it's it's huge because here's the thing, right? And I'll get into this in a little bit, but like your food intake is huge because people who eat heavier meals, spicier meals, if you eat a big meal close to bed, like all these things about your meals, you know, this is all going to cause you to have acid reflux. Even mm-hmm. fatty meals will cause you to have acid reflux. And the problem with the with the especially the big meals is because as you know, your stomach. You know, it starts to, as soon as you start smelling the food, even before you eat, your stomach's like, ooh, we're about to eat. So it starts putting the acid where it's supposed to be, right? It's like, oh, I'm preparing. I smell the food. Let's go. Then the food gets in your belly. The acid goes to work. And then for those of you who eat that big old meal and then you go straight to bed, now you get all this acid at work and then you laying flat on the bed and all the acid is doing is creeping back up your esophagus because why are you laying in bed? Because you just ate a steak and potatoes and, and all this stuff. And it worsens the acid reflux and all that's just going to creep up your esophagus. And then you wake up in the morning and your throat is sore. You don't know what's going on. All that, all that is linked. All all that is linked together. Yeah, but they're going to tell you, but Dr. Sunshine, after I eat this meal, I'm tired. I need to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Got the itis. Right. Lay down. Well, it's, it's poor meal planning. It is. Yeah, it's poor exactly. Meal it's, poor, it's poor meal planning because you're supposed to have at least two hours or so before, you know, in between your last meal of the day and when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I mean, that's ideal. That's, that's ideal. So I tend to ask them that. And there's a bunch of people out there who like to eat a big old meal, especially the old school guys, like to eat a big old meal, then go sit in a recliner, lay back, you know, feet up. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Killing their esophagus, right. I'm like, no reclining. Watching Watching the game, you know, like just, just the typical, and, and people do this every day. 
You know what I mean? So once you start getting their food diaries and you talk to them about when they eat, what do they do after they eat? Do they go to bed? Like once you actually start getting to know their lifestyle, there's some changes here that you can make. And you don't even need medication. You can literally just change your habits. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, when people work late, it's a little hard, too, like because um, you work, you work like probably around the time around dinner time. And when you come home, you eat pretty late like mm-hmm. maybe around 11 or so then you got to go to bed wake up the next day to start it all over, all over again and it's kind of like this vicious cycle you know mm-hmm. and, it, and like and like you're saying it's just that you just gotta plan better mm-hmm. right. because ultimately like when i have a patient that comes in and they're talking to me about GERD symptoms things like that if you just think about your food intake and what you're eating and when you're eating it if you make those changes you might be cool copacetic you might be fine that's all good And then if you try to X out all the other things that we've already mentioned, we can probably solve the problem before we even start talking about medications. Mm -hmm. Now, since we are talking about the esophagus, the stomach, all that jazz, there are a couple of things that I want to list for you that are not GERD. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That you need to know that this, this is not GERD or rather you've had GERD for so long that now we have bigger problems, which are not GERD. (laughs) Right. So, If you have, I'm just going to call it GI bleeding. GI bleeding means that you are like, all of a sudden you are vomiting blood. If you notice blood in the stool, if all of a sudden your stool went from being brown to being really dark black out of nowhere, you know, these are signs that there's some type of blood that might be in your stomach or your esophagus. And for some reason, it's made its way out of your body and it's giving you a red flag. So if you're seeing, you know, blood in your vomit, coughing up blood, anything like that, you know, that's no longer GERD and that's a problem. And you need to, now it could have been caused, right? GERD may have played a part, but it's bigger than that. Also, if you have unintentional weight loss, all of a sudden you're losing weight like crazy. You weren't planning on it. You haven't been working out at all. That's also not GERD. (laughs) Um, Another, and that's, that's something to also notice because if you do have a family history of any type of um, esophageal or stomach cancers, that's also something to bring up to your doctor and no, that's not GERD. And yes, it's important to mention and please bring it up to us, Um, which also ties into the smoking as well, because smoking can increase your risk for esophageal cancers and so on and so forth. Let me see. That's all I had on the list of what's not GERD. But the, but you know, what's interesting is that when the patients come in, and they tell you what they're feeling. My main job as a doctor is to figure out, okay, is this your esophagus? Is this your heart? Or is this your lung? That's the main thing going through my head. I mean, the fourth one is maybe it's just your anxiety. Maybe, maybe you're just, you know, maybe, maybe you're just anxious, which I get that. But for the most part, those are the questions in my head. So, you know, some things we can easily rule out like, okay, this is concerning. This is not good, you know, and we kind of go from there across the board. The easiest thing that you guys can try, which is over the counter, is some Tums. And Dr. Nono already mentioned this. Tums is basically just calcium carbonate. You take it, you know, with your meals. And if the chest pain gets better, you know that, okay, this is acid reflux. If the chest pain doesn't get better, then it might be something else. (laughs) That's an easy, that's a, that's, that's an easy one where most people just have it in the house. It's like, Hey, we'll take it. Give it a try. Maybe it gets better. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. That's so true. And you get your calcium in. So I tell people for, (laughs) especially my older patients that need, need to get a little extra calcium in anyway, pop it a bunch of Tums in the morning will will help them will go a long way and if it makes the symptoms better that's great because we're trying to start at the you know it's always the path of least resistance like if over-the-counter tums work then we don't want to have to write your prescription 
if you have to write your prescription, that's fine. But that first step is easy. That plus all avoiding all the things that Dr. Sunshine is talking about. So if some of the things that came up in her, her risk factors are things you do, then in addition to getting the over-the-counter Tums, you need to start going through that list to say, well, am I a smoker? Okay, let me try to cut down on my smoking. Do I, you know, hop in a chair and go to sleep as soon as I get done eating? Let me try to stay up for an hour after I've had a meal. Um, do I eat a lot of fatty foods? Like, am I eating a lot of, you know, red sauces, coffee, chocolate, you know, whatever your triggers, what happens if I stop the triggers? Does it go away? Um, if I stop the triggers and I take the Tums, does it go away? If the answer becomes yes to those things that you, you know, started to avoid, listen, that's great. We're, we're very happy with that. Beautiful. That's perfect. But you know what the thing is? The thing is, is that the things that they need to cut out, and especially the alcohol and the coffee, patients do not want to cut down on these. Because people who love coffee, they love it. People who like to drink, they like to drink. So those are those are hard lifestyle changes for them to try to figure yeah, out. I totally, I totally understand with the coffee because I definitely <laughs> will not give up my coffee. I just no, I will I will be late to work. <laughs> In order to get my coffee, like I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And then, like, I, I also feel disrespected when people say, "Oh, why don't you just try decaf, uh, decaffeinated coffee?" I'm like, "What? Why? What's the point? Why is that invented? Coffee? No. Am I the only one that doesn't drink coffee? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Why do we all say yes? (laughs) Okay. And Amy Jo drinks tea though. She drinks tea, and her teas are good. I do love a good tea. You got those loose yeah. teas. The teas are really good. good. Yeah. I mean, I worked. I worked as a barista for all four years of undergrad. I did not start drinking coffee daily until I started med school, because that's just how like important like coffee was. Like I need to stay awake to like do what I need to do, and then that's also how I developed GERD. So, I mean, <laughs> it is yeah. it is very important. <laughs> Am I? Are we? Are we triggering you? Are we triggering? Yeah. Right. Very, Sounds yes. like it. This is a very triggering podcast because this is, I mean, I have GERD. <laughs> I, I relate with the audience because I, I suffer from GERD and I know Sorry. I need to treat it. But Sorry. honestly, you need to, you need to find like what Dr. Amy Joe and Dr. Sunshine were saying, like when you make that food diary and you're able to find out what those triggers are, you're able to decrease that amount in your, your daily diet. You know, hydrating is very important. And also being able to have those tums on hand, you know, to get, you know, to treat the flare ups is also very important for you going forward. So I definitely, I mean, it, it's helped me so far and I, I have no, I have no issues with it. So oh, I would be crushed if I had GERD because of coffee. I'd be crushed. <laughs> like, I'd, 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 I'd be that on medication. Like, you know, nah, we got to try some meds because I can't. I mean, I don't drink. My, I don't drink my coffee black. Like I, I put like a crap ton of cream in it. Um, no, I drink mine black now. Well, oh, now really? I'm starting to be black. I never used to drink it black, but now I'm starting to, and I'm also starting to try to cut down my sugar intake too. Oh, that's that's okay. sorry. That's another. Here is the problem with Doctor Chris said because Doctor Chris is out here acting like my patients. <laughs> I did not give you medicine. Right. But you can go back to eating the things that trigger your GERD. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. (laughs) The medicine was designed to help you with your symptoms while you worked on meal avoidance. Because we've all had the patient that comes in is like, oh, yeah, since you put me on that medication, man, my my heartburn is good. And you're like, 
have you been avoiding the the red sauces and the fried? No, no, I don't have a problem with them no more because you know the medicine. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> that was not the point. We we the medicines aren't forever, or they shouldn't be forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. Let me just say that I start to see more and more people that are on like really chronic long term medication use um, because they are eating up to their medicine. Right. Like I tell people, I tell people with diabetes all the time, like. The point of the exercise is not to eat up to your medicine. Like you're supposed to be eating at an appropriate base so that the medicine can then trend down and catch up with your improved diet. But um, if GERD, if your GERD symptoms are that severe, yeah, you got to give up what's triggering you. you and just that's do. hard because because that goes back at that goes back into lifestyle changes, right? Yep. And since Amy Jo brought up medication, so typically me and everybody probably has their own way of, of doing the medication. So typically when I have a patient with GERD and I'm seeing them frequently, typically I have like a stepwise, kind of like a scaled approach. So typically we start with the Tums and if they're like, ah, Tums isn't cutting it, then I go up to um, a different class of medications, what we call the H2 blockers. So that's, that's things like Pepsid, like Pepsid AC, Zantac you know, stuff you can get over the counter. And then if that doesn't work, then we go up to another different class of medications called a PPI. That's everything that ends in the word azole. So omeprazole, you know, pentoprazole, azoles, things like that. But usually it's a stepwise approach because I kind of want to keep you on the medication that has like, you know, the least things that I interact with it, the least long-term effects if you stay on it for a while, that type of thing. Yeah, I agree. But but sometimes you um, find the patients and they've already tried some of those things already. And then that is true. Yeah. And you just got, I mean, which is great. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, if you guys took the initiative to go out and, you know, you've tried those medications already, then, I mean, that's fine. Like at least let us know that so that we can like go through the next step in our, in our treatment plan to see what, you know, what would work best for you. So that's, that's great. Do you, but here's here's the thing. The reason why I'm talking about these lifestyle changes and this medication and all of that, the main thing that I'm trying to prevent is you getting an ulcer. That is the main thing I'm trying to prevent because once you get an ulcer and if that ulcer like, you know, perforates as in like it makes a hole through your stomach or it makes a hole through your intestine, that is that is like mayday, mayday, we're going down. And you're going to go see Dr. Nono because you have a perforated ulcer in your abdomen. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing that I'm trying to prevent you from having to deal with. So if you're not working with us and you're taking and you're doing like Amy Jo said, you're taking the medication, but you're still doing the same thing. This and that trying to find your happy medium like, oh, what can I get away with (laughs) while I take the medication? This and this. Ultimately, we're not working towards the same goal because long story short, if I try the Tums, the Zantac, the Pepsid, you know, the Prilosec, all that stuff and you're getting worse and you're not improving, it's time for you to get a scope. And I need to figure out what the heck is, and by a scope, um, listeners, that means that you would go to a GI specialist, they're going to take a cute little camera, and they're going to put it down your throat, and we are going to see what the hell is going on in everywhere, everywhere from literally from the opening of your mouth, all the way down through your esophagus, look at your whole stomach, and they're going to stop right at the beginning of the small intestine. And we need to figure out what is causing your pain. And sometimes when we do that scope, we end up finding out a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes we find that you just have gastritis. Yeah. Which then takes us back to Dr. Sunshine's original discussion, which is the cause and effect. So most of the time, this is obesity, 
cigarettes, you know, sometimes some alcohol intake, overall just really bad lifestyle. And uh, it's giving you symptoms. The good thing is that everything we're talking about that, you know, are all reversible. Yeah. All completely reversible. And um, because I feel like people um, sometimes are like, yeah, I know you all have a timeline. We got to, you know, we're doing this step, pro- this stepwise process. And they're, they're good sports about it because they're certain that when they do get the scope, when they do get the EGD, it's going to show something. And they're so disappointed when they come back. And I'm like, yeah, you had nothing in there. This is just some gastritis. And I'm like, okay, so what do we do? Like we monitor our diet. Like we, we really do stop what we stop all the things that you told me, you know, are doing it. So, you know, I've got people that come in all the time. Well, you know, what triggers you? Well, fried chicken, you know, they think it's the, you know, the fried food. Okay. And I do a, a 25 recall on them every time I see them. And without fail, there's some kind of fried chicken or fried something in there. And you're just like, you, you've got to stop it. Like you literally have to have to discontinue those, you know, foods because it just, you know, I can't, my medicine can't outpace you um, pumping your, your stomach full of stomach acid that's irritating your lining. I, there was one other point I was uh, thinking that we we forgot to make, and that some people who have chronic pain or just pain, they pop a lot of like Aleve, ibuprofen, all of that. If mm-hmm. you're taking that consistently all the time, that can also cause gastritis, can cause you to yep. have an ulcer, can cause those GERD-like symptoms. So it's we we need to know that stuff too, right? Because that's a good call out, Chris. Yeah, that's because a huge, not, that's a good call. Because you think it's a benign drug, but it's really not. If you're taking it consistently all the time, because oh, you know, my knees hurt and I have that arthritis, so I have to keep taking it, but then you end up having something else. Yep. So Yep. You're very right. And that's that's actually really common. Exactly in the people that you're talking about. The you know, the 55, 60 mm-hmm. plus. Oh man, the back pain, the knee pain, yeah. everything hurts, everything aches. They pop in ibuprofen, pop in ibuprofen, pop in a, they love right. a leaf. Or, pop in a leaf. Or people yeah. with migraines, or people who have migraines. Oh yep. yeah, the migraine people, they get they get into that chronic, chronic you know, analgesic, yeah. you know, uh, cycle. And then they have a re- rebound migraines because of all the ibuprofen and the Tylenol. And so it's difficult. Yeah. That's a, that's for another story. Today we're talking about GERD, but yeah, it gets, um, it gets, uh, hectic. Right. And then back to what Amy Jo was saying, you know, to, to be honest, for the most part, getting a scope is kind of a lot, right? It's like, you gotta, you gotta go to the GI specialist. You gotta make the appointment. You can't eat anything past midnight. They put you under anesthesia. You know, you gotta do the scope and everything just for them to tell you like, oh, it's just gastritis, which basically means if you just did everything that Amy Jo told you to do about three to six months ago, you wouldn't even have to do any of this stuff. We're Cause we're back at square one. Right. Right. And I, and I completely get what Amy Jo said because the patients are like, Ooh, what, what the scope say? Like what, what's the, you know, what was they, they're waiting for like some big, like, ta-da, like, Oh, this is the problem. We can just fix it. Like, no, you fix it by doing all the things we've been talking about. That's how you fix it. Right. Right. True. Oh, one thing that Dr. Sunshine didn't mention is the long-term effects of some of these medications. So let's say um, we're doing Dr. Sunshine's, you know, step approach, but the -the over-the-counter medicines didn't work. The H2 blockers didn't work. And now we put you on, we call the PPIs, the Ozols, right? The Omeprazole, the Pantoprazole and all this stuff. Ideally, you were only supposed to be on that medicine for six weeks, Mm -hmm maybe eight. And then we're supposed to be able to take you off of that medication 
and see if your symptoms return. If your symptoms return, then we're supposed to send you to the GI doctors for scope to see like, okay, our, our treatment was unsuccessful. And so now we need to look at your belly, like look in your belly, look in your intestines to see what we find. We already talked about most time we find just that this is gastritis. Some of you all, there's a lot of patients out there that we inherit um, that come to our practice and you all have been on pantoprazole or meprazole, something ozol for two years, three years, Mm -hmm. uh, five years, been on it. The problem with that is it decreases your stomach acid. And you've got nutrients that you need to absorb to make sure that you get that. So it increases your risk that you're going to have osteoporosis because you're not absorbing your calcium and your vitamin D. It's got the risk that, you know, you're not getting other fat soluble nutrients, which need you to have good stomach acid. So vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, all those need to be absorbed. Your vitamin D, your vitamin K go together. You need those so that you can absorb your calcium. If you didn't absorb a calcium in your gut, then your, your brain and your blood sense that the calcium is low. Guess where they're going to take it from? They're going to take it from your bones. Mm-hmm. So this is more than just about, well, you know, my heartburn. It has long lasting, you know, potential uh, effects. And so it's really important that you do the work at home mm-hmm. to help your primary care doctor out because we don't have good answers for a poor lifestyle. I, I, I like that you said that because you made a good point. And another thing, too, is um, being on those medications for a long time also increases your risk of chronic kidney disease, too. And, yep. you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Right. And it's it's something I think I think maybe all of us sometimes maybe we're you have other things going on and we're not we might not really be paying too much attention to that because you're having all these other things that we got to take care of. And that's one of those medications that we're like, okay, we'll address that later. But, you know, it's not a benign medication before we used to think that, okay, we can just leave them on those Azoles for like long time. It's fine. There's nothing that's going to happen, but we are seeing now that it does cause a lot of problems later on. So y'all ready to get these questions though? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know how many we're going to get to, but, you know, we'll try because, you know, uh, we have been uh, enjoying GERB. We also had lots of topics to discuss. So I want to get to this one because this was sent to me um, and uh, sent to the chocolate MDSs. And and, and I want to make sure I address it because, you know, it was so thoughtful for them to put it together. So here we go. Um, about 10 years ago at church, um, we started a women's workouts on women's workout group. One of the exercises was how to strengthen um, Kegel muscles. As we began the routine, immediately I discovered I was starting to have an orgasm. I left the class saying I wasn't feeling well, but really I was feeling too well. I was feeling slightly embarrassed in my spirit. After all, I was in church. My mind was not in the gutter. It's just something um, that kept happening. Still today, I cannot do those exercises without this happening. I can't be the only one this happens to. Please tell the uh, please tell me what's up, chocolate MDs. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That must wow. That's like that's this actually time. this actually <laughs> Right. I've Chris, never done stop it. Uh, Look, Dr. Uh, Dr. Chris is like, what's the problem? I, like, well she doesn't want to do Kegels in church no, and, that, and I, have I, it that, that, I mean the hospital is out. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it also it also 
me, me, I'm mad that me and Chris have right, the same right. face. We're both like, <laughs> because now it, it, but it prompts me, it prompts me to want to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I do get a question and it prompts me to ask more questions. Cause now I'm curious as to, um, what her sexual experience has been. Mm-hmm. And if this always happens whenever she stimulate, is it only happening when she stimulates herself or does this also happen if she is stimulated by somebody else? Because I'm curious if it's, just the movement of the muscles period and if she experiences it all the time which then you know there's different like therapies you can go to and work with gynae in terms of like cuts not not necessarily vaginismus but kind of similar to that um and different chainings of the vaginal muscles and the cavity in order to have it right more so react the way you want it to at the time you would like it to um but i'm I'm, I'm curious though she's saying here if i'm reading this correctly that it happens when she does the exercises now I'm not sure what workout they were doing. I've I've done a lot of workouts and nobody's ever asked me to start doing my Kegels. Um, but there was something maybe it was like Pilates or yo I don't know like you know somehow hmm. she said it it says here and when she's asking the question still still today I can't do those exercises without this happening. So even hmm. when she's not trying to do, even when she's not trying, if she engages, she engages the pelvic mm-hmm. floor, it sounds like if she engages her pelvic floor, she will have an orgasm or she will feel stimulated to have an orgasm. Well, well could this be something that she like an activity that she can do before she goes into the class? Like, I mean, you know, masturbation before you do the class and being able to have these, the, the, um, the feeling before you, you know, go into the class that may be able to kind of help uh, damper some of the feelings that she would get before she goes ahead with the Kegels during the mm-hmm. class. But it sounds like she doesn't, she wishes that she would even have the sensation, the orgasm when she's doing the Kegel exercise. I don't think the, I don't think she's like, Oh, you know, how to prevent for orgasm. I think her question is why am I even triggered to orgasm just by doing Kegel exercise, which is true. Yeah, Normally you don't. you don't necessarily get orgasms from doing the Kegel exercises. Right. Yeah. But I was just thinking that maybe cause like it's possible that she's just not necessarily doing it right. And like going to like the pelvic, you know, they have PT for pelvic floor and they actually go in like, and like, like put their fingers in and make sure like you're actually doing um activating the right muscles so maybe it could be something along the lines of that and she might maybe do. is anybody else doing a kegel exercises right now or is it just me i'm doing uh, it no. <laughs> yeah. because i'm legit trying to figure out like okay like because you're right you're right dr chris like the when you do the kegels you're often trying to like increase that pelvic floor right. um which tends to be different from clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. Of course, then which gets us into, you know, this gets us down the rabbit hole because every orgasm doesn't have to be clitoral orgasms. It can also be vaginal orgasms, mm-hmm. which women tend to not experience anymore. So I guess she technically, well, Dr. Chris, you know what you're right. She could be technically engaging the pelvic floor muscles and, 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 and eliciting a, a vaginal orgasm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, and I think maybe going to like pelvic PT because like they can really like train you, help to train you so you know like how to how to do it properly or to exercise mm-hmm. the right to activate the right muscles because sometimes you don't really know, right? Like you're doing it and then it could be that you go they go and put their finger in and they're like, uh, I don't feel anything. I'm like, really? Right. You know? So it could be that you maybe she might be activating the wrong muscles. 
or different muscles. Or she may have a muscle that's that's a little overly right. sensitive. You right. know what I mean? She could she could have a muscle, you know, within her pelvis that mm-hmm. is just it's just overactive. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, and she's just having, and it's probably a lot more sensitive than the average mm-hmm. person. So then going to PT and pelvic floor would help her be like, Hey, this is the muscle in question. It's really overly sensitive, you know, but to be honest with you, she might also be in a position where, cause I'm curious to whether not, I mean, mind you, unless she wants to write us back in and give us an answer. I don't know, but I'm actually curious whether she would even be open to pelvic floor therapy, like, you know, PT for the pelvic floor, because, she may have a fear right. of of orgasming right. while she's being examined or while they're trying to figure right. it out, which I completely get because she because clearly she has like this overstimulation. Um, but I do think that would be the best way to figure yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, yeah. I, yeah, personally, I would want to go, but yeah. So the short answer, uh, listener, is we're not completely <laughs> sure without really like having you here to a- answer more questions of what might be the cause of why you're getting, you know, such a strong um, stimulation from Kegel exercises to have to feel like you're going to have an orgasm, but there may be a solution. So if you have a primary care doctor, um, give them a call and see if they can send you to somebody that specializes in pelvic floor. That's a lot of your gynecologists um, who do like pelvic floor training. Um, you know, there's there's the what is it the hyper orgasm orgasm like syndrome where sometimes you could do a little Botox mm-hmm. in the area just to kind of decrease the stimulation for people who mm-hmm. need to be able to control their orgasms better. So there are solutions. Um, you know, some just you know therapy, exercises, activity. Others a little bit more invasive. But um, I hope this helps. I hope that, you know, gives you at least a little direction. Feel free to send us another message, you know, write us to clarify. We will absolutely return to this question if you need us to. Um, but, you know, I hope that helps. We yes. wish you all the best in that. In that now, mind you, if the church group is really good for your mental health and you don't want to start skipping out on the sessions, then I would just suggest to not do Kegels um, when everybody in those in the group is doing Kegels. And then, then when they're like, all right, guys, you know, good job on those Kegels. Next, we're going to do our yoga stretches. And you can just like pop back in at the yoga stretches. Yeah. You know, in case in case this group is really important to you and you have like, you know, bonding with your church members and stuff, you don't want to skip it. You know, you may just need to kind of like skip that particular activity until you can kind of talk to your doctor and figure out a solution. I agree. Because I, I don't want her to miss out. You know, what if she's best friends with sister, uh, you know, <laughs> sister, sister Williams, you know, and, and, you know, and the first and the first lady of the church. And maybe this is their, you know, this is their right. thing. Right. Right. Not to have to miss out on your blessing. Don't right. On yeah. You don't right. want to miss out on your blessings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, okay. Um, so we got some other questions, which, you know, I think the, the, you know, our last few episodes are stimulating some questions. So I will get to this one. Cause I think, you know, it's a good one to know. So one of the listeners, um, wrote like, does weight gain in men change the function of the penis and will the duration of the erection be affected? Yes. Yeah, short that's the short answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The short, <laughs> the answer is yes. And then plugging to, um, I think I think Chris brought this up when we did our penis episode about how um, the fat cells on the body, basically, you know, the fats that's that's being stored in these cells, you know, can pretty much kind of tilt your body from creating, you know, the testosterone to creating more estrogen. And estrogen in a male's body, you know, would then impact your ability to do all of the things that you know you love mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
by decreasing that, you know, of course, like working out, exercising, if you can, decreasing the amount of fat that your body has in theory would be not even in theory, in actuality would be, would be better across, across the board for you. And that's purely based on fat hormones, you know, balancing the levels. So the answer is yes, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to do this one last one, y'all, because they kind of all come together. I am afraid of breaking, bending the penis while on top. Do I have to have, <laughs> do I have to have Megan knees to be successful in this position? Gravity seems to be working against me. LOL. <laughs> it's crazy because you said top and I was thinking gay men, like a top and a bottom. Yeah. She's a woman. She's a woman. And she's on top. And she's on top. And <laughs> Wait, concerned. now I need to reframe. I need to reframe my whole thought process. So she's a woman. Yes. She's on top. And what's the question? And oh. she's concerned. So I, and she's concerned. So let me, re- um, uh, She's afraid of breaking or bending the penis while on top. She's engaging in a course oh, while on top. And she's saying, do I have to have Meg, Megan knees to be successful in this uh, position? No, you do uh, not. Gravity says you work against me. You do not have to have Meg, Meg stallion knees. Um, I don't know what kind of knees <laughs> Meg uses when she's having intercourses. I've never observed Ionic. it. But um, <laughs> you do have to. Okay, so in like all things, you do have to pick sexual positions that are both comfortable and pleasurable for both parties. So you, so how are we this, defining, I don't know. How are we defining successful? How are we defining successful? I'm not sure. I guess it's not bending, because not bending or breaking the penis. Would so, we consider successful so there, in this question? So there's some okay. point during like intercourse where, you know, you guys are going to want to switch and, you know, he's going to want the girl on top and then you, you know, do your couple strokes and then you eventually switch back and then go from there. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's going to stop. Right, right now is- honestly, you do not. So at the root of the question, you do not need Megan Thee Stallion knees for that. <laughs> Honestly, like I mean, she wants to know how to not bend or break the penis, though. So, so here's the so here's what I think the answer can be. I think you do like in everything you have to pick positions that you know are suitable for you and your partner. Yeah. So when she's saying like Meg the Stallion knees, it reminds me of the video that just came out, uh, Crybaby. So everybody's like one that you know be on their feet, you know, in a squatted position. Well, if you're a little fluffy. And you got bad balance. Yeah, I don't know that that's the best position for you, especially if it's uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to pick positions, one, that are comfortable for you and are comfortable for your partner and do not injure anyone in the in the situation. Like maybe you have to go old school, you know, legs on the bed or the floor or wherever and, you know, have a more controlled, you know, movement. Um, but... You know, everything ain't for everybody. Yeah, I'm imagining I, I a whole different type of stroke. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm imagining the knees like on the bed, and then you do the stroke that way. Like, I don't know where these knees are. Like, no, talking about going up and down. No, I think you're missing the point, Doctor No No. That's not what Chris she's talking like, about. Like, say, like in the video, like how they do the like they're twerking and all of that. That's what I was. Yes, that, that's what she's thinking that she's doing that yes. on top of the penis right exactly and if you're doing that oh, i didn't say the penis 
it's a possibility you can injure the penis. But here's the thing though, right? If the if the concern, because there's multiple different concerns here. If the concern is how do I do this without causing damage to the penis, your partner, if you listen to your partner and if you're getting close and it starts to feel uncomfortable, they're going right. to say something. So if your partner's like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, that's usually what they say. Right. Whoa, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you are communicating with your partner, he, he I'm assuming in this case, is talking about oh, penis, he, can, she, can yeah, guide you, right? right? So I don't think, I think if you're, com- you should be communicating well with your partner when you're having sex. And so if something's happening and he is feeling like some discomfort or feeling like the way you're moving is starting to, you know, potentially cause him some pain, he can, you know, it does have to be like, ah, come to a halt, but I'm sure that he has the ability to adjust you or manage you or kind of help guide you so that you don't have to feel like you're trying to figure out how to keep both of y'all safe. Like it's a, you're in, you're not in there by yourself. So, you know, you can help, but this brings up an interesting um, point, which is talking about, as we talk about, you know, uh, healthcare disparities, you know, black history month, I've been talking about healthcare disparities all, all week. Um, the condition, the condition of people as it relates to sexual intercourse. So we don't talk about it a lot, but sexual intercourse is cardiovascular activity and it requires some level of fitness to engage in. And so we don't talk about the fact that, you know, you need to be, you need to have some kind of sustain state sustainability and have some t- kind of good heart health, good muscle health, you know, good flexibility, good, all these things. Even if you're just, just having quote unquote regular sex, like it just kind of gets us back to the fact that you got to be doing good things to your body, eating well, exercising, conditioning it to engage in all things. One of those things also happens to be sexual intercourse. Yes. Preach. I don't think we talk about that enough. That is so true. We don't, you can't have sex out of shape. I mean, you can, yeah, but, but it's, it's gonna, you're gonna think, fizzle right? out. It's just, it's just, and, and then sometimes you can see too, like, fluffy people again and you just wonder like how does this how does this work but <laughs> right because they listen to their partner and they do not go outside of their right. comfort zone. right you got to stick with what you <laughs> know so if you're a fluffy not that fluffy people can't have no. sex not that and, fluffy people can't have enjoyable right. sex but they're having the kind of sex that gives them pleasure that you know keep, keeps them both safe and enjoy it the the sex changes though. Like when you've been working out, right? You lose a few pounds. I think that kind of sex with your partner changes a little bit um, than when you're a little bit heavier. So there's positions that you can't do if you know you've your your belly is big. Like you're not doing everything. But if you you know lose weight, then maybe you try another position later on, which um, might work out for you. So yeah, stretching, Pilates, more plug to Pilates, exercise, stretching, being more flexible, all of that stuff. Yeah. It'll all work. Yeah. So I hope that answers this listener's question. <laughs> Listen, they got a whole lot more right. for that answer than they than they bargained right. for. Yeah. <laughs> so so listen, you guys, I, I hope that um I hope that these answer your questions. Um if you've got some follow-up information for us, please uh don't forget to send that to us. You can send it to us via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't forget that we have a website, uh www.thechocolatemds.com or chocolate with the side of medicine. Um, you put it in for a Google search, we should pop up as the one of the first things. You can submit the questions there. Or for those of you all who are like, 
I don't want to do that. I just want to send a message by all means, hit us up on Facebook, you know, send us a DM, send us a DM on Instagram, wherever you need to send it to slide, we, slide in our DMs. Y'all going to slide, slide in our DMs so that we can answer questions or, you know, further um, give some clarification on the information that we talked about today. Does anybody have anything else on their hearts or their minds that they would like to say? All hearts and minds are clear. Oh, yeah. The DMs. Good. I was about to sing a song, but it's okay. It's going down in the DMs. Slide, slide. Y'all be sliding DMs all day long. You can easily slide us one, please. I know, right? <laughs> these these pandemic filled DMs. Anyway, uh, we want you all to be safe out there, and we will see you guys in two Yay. weeks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.